In our very first year, we launched 90 products and did $3 million in sales on Amazon. Welcome to the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast. This is the only podcast that dives deep into post-purchase marketing to help Amazon sellers increase sales, ranking, reviews, and profits. It's everything that happens after the initial sale that makes a difference. We call this the back end. This is the Post-Purchase Pro Podcast, episode 22. Welcome, folks. Sean Hart here with Seth Stevens. Welcome to the Post-Purchase Podcast. In this episode, we're going to continue the origin story. When Seth and I first began our Amazon careers, I guess you would call it, Seth, back in 2014, in January 2014, the first year, boy, we had a lot of fun. It was a roller coaster ride, ups and downs and all arounds, but we were able to launch 90 products in that first year of Amazon. Now, of course, Seth, as you know, not all products were successful, but mm -hmm. what I really liked about our strategy back in 2014 was that we had a wide diversification of product offerings. And we would launch products, if you'll remember, until we found an obvious winner. And then we would build a brand around that winner using what we now call creative cloning, which is, you'll find out shortly, but um, it's how we would take a winner and expand it beyond, you know, to the point to where we couldn't get any more low-hanging fruit or easy sales. And then we would move on to another one, Seth. Yeah, in our very first year, we launched 90 products and did $3 million in sales on Amazon. Now, Sean, when we talked to people over the years, um, it became kind of obvious that we did stuff backwards. And by backwards, I mean like most sellers that we ran across would pick a product, spend a long time on packaging, spend a long time on branding, um, spend a long time on ordering, manufacturing, negotiating, all of that stuff. And then they would finally do a launch and see if what they had picked out was going to be received by the market. But where we kind of uh, fell into it backwards was we would pick a product and then launch it immediately just for a test and see if the product that we picked would sell um, in the market easily. And then if we found that it would, we would call it a winner. And then we would go back and do all that work that a lot of sellers spent a lot of time doing before they even launched. So we had an advantage that we didn't really know that we had that advantage early on, Sean. I mean, we would just find a winner, um, prove that it could be successful, and then go back and do all the branding work. So we did it backwards from most sellers. So um, knowing that we launched 90 products in year one, well, that doesn't really tell the whole story because like you said, Sean, we would only keep the ones that uh, we deemed winners, and then we would build a brand around those winners. So out of the 90 products, a lot of them we actually you know, sold out and just um, quit selling almost immediately. But the core of it is test a product, find an opportunity, then build a brand around the opportunity. Sean? Exactly. And you kind of hit the nail on the head there, Seth, and reminds me of you know, whenever we would identify a hot market because of the product we launched, for us, it was never, the product was just a means to find the market. Once we find a hot market and a niche on Amazon, then we would use what I called earlier creative cloning to take the product that was successful and clone that into multiple iterations. And I'll give you some examples. 
some of the items that we sold in the beginning, Seth, and let me know if you remember some of these. Remember the loom band of bracelet making kits where you would take actual tiny rubber bands and, and use a loom to, 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 to make bracelets for your friends and family? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so we did that one. Yeah, and, and we had a bamboo pillow product. We did the, the whole grill mat, you know, that you would uh, use on a barbecue grill to keep from making a mess or burning your food or whatever. Like the anti-stick Teflon grill mat. Mm-hmm. Um, airplane, airplane seatbelt extenders. Remember that one? Uh, we <laughs> we give that a go pretty good and had some success early on. And that was just that device in a, in a commercial airline where, you know, if you had, if you were a little thicker around the waist and couldn't get the seatbelt in, you would use an extension. So you can actually buy those and carry your own if, if you travel like that. Uh, anti-snoring mouth guard. Boy, that was a hoot. We'll have to dig into that one a little bit. Um, and then the wool dryer balls. <laughs> I remember your wife actually found that one. I thought, yep. what? Wool dryer balls? Who do? Weight loss belt. You know, we called, I think we called our brand was Thermal Science. And we definitely pivoted and, and did some creative cloning on that one. And the pen impression toys of all things. And then, of course, you can't forget about the hearing amplifiers. These are like those generic hearing, uh, sort of like a hearing aid, but we couldn't call it a hearing aid because of FDA. So it was a hearing amplifier. So just take, for example, Seth, if you remember the uh, the bamboo pillow, uh, that product early on. Yeah. As soon as we identified that that product had some legs, instead of going and finding an, another product in a different category, we would expand on that market. Obviously, there was a hot market there. So we did what we called creative cloning. And if you'll remember right, Seth, after we had our pillow, we created a softer version of the pillow, you know, mm-hmm. utilizing the exact same strategy that, that made us successful in the original listing. Then we created a, a double firm pillow and then a two-pack, a twin-pack, and, and so on. That's what I mean about creative cloning. Do you remember how we creatively cloned our weight loss belt? Yeah, that's funny, Sean. Um, actually, this creative cloning process um, helps helps you build a brand. It helps you uh, grow your sales way faster than if you just had the traditional approach. And so I'll give you an example of how this can help. So the example you brought up, Sean, is the one that sticks out to me the most. So when we would sell a bamboo pillow, we didn't rank for the keyword like pillow or memory foam pillow or anything like that. Like where we were very strong is for the word bamboo pillow or bamboo pillows, like very um, small set of keywords that actually mattered for that product. So what we did was we didn't even put any attention or any ad budget into trying to show up for these huge search terms like pillow or memory foam pillow or anything like that. We just said, how can we serve the customers that are searching for bamboo pillows the best? So we ended up with um, I think eight of the 16 spaces on page one, you know, back the, in, in 2014, there was only 16 spots on, on page one. We had eight of them because like you said, Sean, we had a, a medium pillow that was one listing. We had a firm pillow that was one listing. We had a plush pillow that was another listing. We had a two pack. And if you went to Amazon and typed in bamboo pillow, there was a 50% chance if you just randomly selected one listing on the page that you would end up buying a pillow from us. And so we did very, very well. And we call that process creative cloning because you're repositioning the same product um, a little bit differently in the marketplace. But the, the, the distinction is that you don't have to 
market to different keywords. We found the opportunity in the keyword or the search term bamboo pillow, and we exploited the opportunity just for that search term. We didn't try to go and market to a completely different type of customer. We just exploited the gap in the marketplace at the time. So if you can get this part right, so think about your own business right now. If you are selling a product and you can just spin off a new version because you're able to rank for a particular keyword very easily, well, the, the easiest way to double your sales was would be to double your exposure. And the easiest way to double your exposure would just be to have another listing positioned on the same pages that you're already showing up for. Sean, anything to add there? Yeah, it's, it's amazing what can happen when instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, try to learn a new market, try to find a new winner, just take what you already know and leverage all of the data that Amazon gives you and expand that. And Seth, honestly, in 2014, that's what really made our first year super successful was the fact that we would take what Amazon gave us and then we would meet the market where they were. And that was fill anywhere that we could. And you think about like, like peanut butter, for example, that we've used uh, in this strategy. Um, when I explained to someone how to use creative cloning, it's like peanut butter. You have the extra chunky, you have the smooth peanut butter, you have the low salt, you have the natural peanut butter, you got the jumbo pack, the twin pack. It's all just peanut butter. So if you know everything there is to know about selling peanut butter, why not just expand on that knowledge and dominate that market? Once you identify a market, just continue to dominate until you run out of ideas for your creative cloning and then move forward. Yeah, that's a great example. And also, um, just so everyone knows, like this still works very, very well today. You don't want to violate Amazon's TOS and just stamp out another listing exactly like what you're selling. You want to do this process that we call creative cloning. Um, you want to make a, a slight modification or even a major modification, but take advantage of the opportunity, whether that be a search term or a market. So like you, in your example, Sean, you would just you would show up for all of those uh, with all of those different versions of peanut butter. But if peanut butter, the search term was your opportunity, you would there and build build a, uh, a brand around serving customers who like peanut butter. So um, think about you know 2014, Sean. We open our first office early 2014, and we hire our first employee. Now we shared with you one of the wins, you know, the strategy that we kind of came came across of testing products. And, uh, and then really focusing on the winners and building brands around those winners and cloning the success. But one of the things that we struggled with in early 2014 was hiring good talent. And the very first hire that we ever made <laughs> oh my gosh. was kind of a flop. I mean, within three weeks of hiring our very first staff, um, he had all of our inventory stolen out of the back of our office building or back of our warehouse <laughs> because he simply didn't move the trailer of a product inside of the warehouse. You remember that, Sean? <laughs> oh, man, all too well. And you never let me forget. So nice gentleman, friendly guy. I, you know, I've worked with him in the past and really didn't have anything against him. But just out of pure laziness and, and being naive as he was. He left all of our stock outside of the warehouse when there was a nice, cozy, warm, dry warehouse to put the trailer in. He just left it in the alley behind the behind the warehouse. And, of course, the next morning, uh, whoever the opportunist was at the time decided to borrow their share of it. So, yeah, <laughs> Seth, you never let me live that one down. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep him anonymous. Um, yeah. He knows who he is. <laughs> but that definitely did not add to our success in year one. 
But, you know, you, you oftentimes talk about making 900000 in profit from that first $3 million in sales. Uh, Seth, and what do you attribute that success to? Well, I think it comes down to not um, settling for subpar opportunities. And it's not that a lot of Amazon sellers want to. It's just that their launch process takes so long that they have to. So, for instance, for us, we would launch a product you know, in a week's time and know if it was going to sell for us easily or not, just because we would place a quick order through AliExpress, put a quick listing up and see if we could generate sales. And if we could, then we would go back and do everything right and, uh, you know, do the branding, do the packaging and all of that. But for a lot of sellers, they spend six months working on package design and all these things that really aren't going to matter if it can't produce sales. So they only get off a few launches per year. So they really are betting on an opportunity that is unproven. So for us, we were able to test so quickly and we have been able to test so quickly that we don't settle for an opportunity that's not a huge opportunity, meaning that we can put a product up and sell it like crazy, very, very inexpensively and acquire customers very easily. So if you if you can just get this into your head that you need to test products until you find a market that works easily for you and then build your brand around it. That is how, um, you know, we were able to go from zero to literally $3 million in sales in our very first year and about a $900,000 $900, profit year. Our very first year was simply by testing fast and then um, doubling down on the opportunities that proved to be winners. You know, uh, one of the things that comes to mind, Seth, that really kind of opened the door for us in our future, since I had cut my teeth in direct response marketing and creating what we call a customer relationship in all my past businesses, and actually uh, you worked uh, with my company on for several months to that in, in that same aspect of marketing and remarketing, cross-selling and upselling. And mm -hmm. since we were able to early on uh, figure out the value of creating a customer relationship. When someone actually brought it to our attention that we could use email marketing of all things to actually build our, our business and increase our sales, it was like the difference that it made in our business was so substantial that I still have to go back and laugh about it. You know, as much as we knew about direct response marketing, when Charlie first brought us out, brought it, brought us uh, to our attention, the power of using email marketing, and we started building our own customer list. Holy smokes, everything changed from then on out. And it was like, you know, was, we almost had to hold on for the ride. If you remember, said, you remember when Charlie first talked you into sending that very first email out to our list? I remember vividly him saying, you guys doing email marketing? No, we're not. And Charlie <laughs> said, oh, my gosh, you're leaving so much money on the table. And I thought, this is ridiculous. We sell on Amazon. Why do we need emails? Uh, what do you remember about that, Seth? Yeah, that's so funny. So we're talking about Charlie Livingston. We love to give him credit because he was the guy who opened our minds to email marketing. So Sean, you already had honed all of this direct response uh, skill over the years. You were a very good copywriter. You had run plenty of uh, uh, infomercials. You placed a lot of newspaper ads and magazine ads. You'd had all this experience with taking words and producing sales. And it was just kind of funny that you'd never really done that with email marketing. And then Charlie comes along and says, hey, look guys, you have these skills, you have the business, why aren't you 
doing this. And we said, yeah, 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 Charlie, email marketing. And he said, no, look, I'll prove it to you. Remember, Sean, he actually went out there and developed an avatar for our pillow brand called the Sleepy Panda. And he built our very first email campaign to prove it to us because we were not paying enough attention when he was trying to uh, get us to be believers. So Charlie uh, creates our avatar, writes our first email. And I'm like, okay, let's see how this works. And I think the list that we were sending to at the time was only maybe like 5,000 people. It wasn't a very big list. And Charlie sends out the first email and we're refreshing the, the sales, you know, like you do on Amazon to see if anything's happening. And it's like, oh, wow, we got a bump there. You refresh again. It's like, oh man, there's $2,000 in sales. I remember in the first couple hours, Charlie's first email generated like $20,000 in extra sales. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is going to change the game. Sean, do you remember this day? How could I forget it? I think I was actually on an, on an airplane. I was getting ready to leave Atlanta airport when you called me and said, have you seen the results? And I'm like, what results? And you said, from Charlie's email. And, and you know, when you, when you talk about 20,000 additional revenue and just one single email send, obviously your mind is is expanded to a point that it's never been before now you start thinking about all the possibilities all the products that we could be collecting emails on when at that point in time seth we were only collecting emails on that one single product through an insert um, yeah. and i can't even remember what the call to action was on it but yeah the results were were outstanding and really expanded the way that we thought about our business and and more importantly the way that we approached every single product after that so um yeah it was uh it was definitely eye-opening and then and then here shortly we're going to talk about our very first meeting with our advisory panel we talked about how we were going to do 50 million dollars in year two but uh yep <laughs> email marketing and and the fact of a customer list when we learned that trick it was absolutely game over from then on out it was like we were in a category all by ourselves no one seth was thinking about it. and we started talking about email marketing to other sellers you're talking like you know six seven years ago people just look at you like you're pregnant you know like what <laughs> well yeah i mean you remember sean the only reason why we had the insert to begin with was because back then the only thing anybody cared about or talked about was capture the email so then you can or phone number so then you can uh talk to your customers about leaving you re a review and so when we had the list, it was like, okay, we have this email list, but the only thing that we cared about was getting an extra review on our listing. I'm sure some of you guys can relate, but Charlie was the first one that opened our mind and said, no, these guys are real customers. They'll buy a lot more from you if you just bring it to their attention that they should. And so when he sent that first email out and within two hours, we didn't only have reviews, we had $20,000 in extra cash, like extra sales in our account. We're like, wow, this changes the game. So then we said, okay, all of the skills <laughs> that Sean has Good learned over the years and then imparted into me through kind of like a, a built-in mentorship, right? Being partners. Then, um, you know, what kind of happened was we all took it seriously. And then we had this big list that was growing every day that we could launch our products to. I remember we launched protein powder to our pillow list just to see if we could. And it's like, wow, that's amazing. Like um, customers will buy um, if you give them a good reason to. Yeah, you know what, Seth? It was like this. When Charlie found out that we had several thousand names and email addresses that we hadn't spoken to, he looked at you like you had a pile of lottery tickets that you've yet to scratch off. He's like, are you kidding me? You have all these emails? You haven't done anything? We're like, uh, yeah, you know, kind of felt like a kid in the uh, first day in school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's funny. 
So at the end of the year, we um, we kind of got through the first year. We're feeling pretty good about ourselves. And we we brought in uh, a couple of people that we trusted in what we called our advisory board. And Sean, I love the way you tell the story. So jump to the end of uh, 2014. Yeah. So basically, we were all amped up and we had this We'd already proven to ourselves the viability of using uh, Amazon as a platform to launch and grow products. And then we just recently discovered that we could multiply what we were already doing on Amazon by using a simple tool called email marketing. And so we were all juiced up, ready to do $50 million in sales. We had it all planned out. So we brought in a couple of trusted advisors, uh, you know, from our, from our regular lives. One of them was a, a mentor for myself. And then uh, Seth brought in one of his early contacts, which was a uh, an accountant that he had networked with. And basically, we laid this all out for, for our advisory board and told them how we were going to do uh, we were going to do fifty million dollars in twenty fifteen. And our whole goal was, you know, I remember Steve saying, "Well, I just want to know how you guys are going to do this." I'm like, well, we're going to launch one product a day for the we're going to launch three hundred sixty five products in twenty fifteen. Here's what we did with our first ninety. And we're talking about like the pillows, one product, let alone all the listings that we expand off of the pillow. So mm-hmm. that's how we, we approached it. And I, when, when we finished that first annual advisory board meeting and we walked out of there with our, with our plans and black and white, how we were going to dominate Amazon and leverage email marketing to do $50 million in sales. I'm going to tell you in the next episode, when we continue the origin story, exactly what happened in 2015. It was remarkable to say the least. Seth? Yeah, that's funny. I can't wait to get into 2015. 2015 is like a massive year of growth, learning uh, to lead a team, uh, launching an incredible amount of products, making a ton of mistakes. You guys are going to love the story, but for now we got to get out of here. So this has been the Post Purchase Pro podcast episode number 22. Please, guys, if you like this podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Leave us a review if you feel it's worth it. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode.